0: It's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Mark Dunn. This is Karen Cavallaro, here to announce show number 46 with guest Rory Blight, recorded December 17, 2003, and published Monday, January 19, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. This episode is also brought to you by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net and other great.net and ActiveX components online at DataDynamics.com. And now, the man who reads Rory's blog and actually gets it, Carl Franklin!
1: Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, and uh, I'm, of course, Carl Franklin in New London, Connecticut, and I'm sad to say this will be my co-host, my partner in crime's last public show. Will you please give a big, hearty welcome to Mark Dunn. Hey, Mark.
2: Hey, thank you so much. It's time to play Happy Trails in the background.
1: (laughs) And there it is.
3: All right. Happy Trails. To you until we meet.
1: Well, uh, I guess the listeners want to know, uh, you know, this is, this is your last show, obviously. And, um, it's not because you didn't enjoy the show. Yeah,
2: it's really, uh, it's really been a matter of, uh, of time. I, I doubt if the listeners know, uh, just how much work we have to do to, uh, juggle our schedules to get the show done. And, uh, I, I run a company, uh, uh, done training and consulting, which uh, takes a lot of my time. It's becoming increasingly difficult to schedule time to do the show. Yeah. And uh, rather than put put you through the ordeal, I I think it's probably best that uh, you know after a year, we've been doing this for a year.
1: Oh, over a year. Over yeah. a year. Uh, year in last and last
2: uh, August, and move into to running my company full time.
1: Well, it's a, it's a shame, and we will definitely have you back from time to time to uh, check in with you and see what's what's happening, and uh, of course, you know, life goes on. We're going to still do the show, obviously. It's not, uh, not the end of the world, but uh, it's, and uh, it's, I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, it's really good that your company is taking up so much time. That's good. That's a good problem.
2: Yeah, that's a good problem to have.
1: Absolutely. Well, what have you been up to, buddy?
2: Oh, well, I've been doing a little consulting work uh, this week. Uh, You know, I I like to get back out in the field and get a little hands-on experience with technology once in a while. You can't do training all the time.
1: That's true. What have you been working on?
2: I've been working on stored procedures for uh, a local corporate client here in Atlanta. Uh, They had me go through and optimize their queries. And uh, we discovered, uh, uh, probably not to many people's surprise, a complete lack of error handling uh, in most <laughs> of the stored procedures. Oops. Uh, so we've, we've been working on error handling today.
1: Well, that's good. Well, Mark, as you know, our guest tonight uh, is been a favorite read of mine in the blogging, in the blog sphere, if you will, and uh, also of yours. Um, uh, I first met Rory Blythe at the PDC, where uh, he was there blogging, of course. And he uh, crashed a regional director's party, and uh, I don't know who he came with. We'll have to ask him that when he comes on. And uh, he just came up to us, both of us, and said, hey, you know, I can't believe I'm standing here shaking your hand, you know, uh, this is totally cool, and a big fan of the show. And uh, then I started reading his blog, and um, man, just, I, I never laughed so much in my life. I didn't know what Oh, his heard.
2: blog is fantastic. Uh- Listeners out there, you must check the blog out. I'm certain we'll put a link up uh, for Rory's blog, but, uh, you know, you'll regret it if you don't read it.
1: He's one of these rare guys who, you know, just the, the brain droppings that fall out are little gems that you can feast upon for for a long time. And this is how he introduces himself. I'm an independent contractor working in Portland, Oregon, who began coding at age five on a Timex Sinclair 1000, skipped childhood, never went to prom, started working for the man, and have been loving it ever since. I run a site called Neopoleon.com, where I like to discuss .net, the divide between open source and closed source technologies and communities, the culture behind coders, and various other things that wouldn't be appropriate to mention here. <laughs> Will you please welcome Mr. Rory Blythe? How are you, Rory? doing
4: pretty well. Yeah. Hey,
2: Roy. I'm uh, I'm really glad to have you on my farewell show. Uh, you know, you're you're one of the uh, the most entertaining people I met at the PDC.
4: Oh, thanks. You know, I mean, actually, I, I had a really good time that night. And if you want to know, I came with Scott Hanselman. Oh, okay. So we were, we were going up the stairs, and I was actually a little bit worried about that. I was saying, look, Scott, you know, I mean, I'm not a regional director or anything like that. You know, like, what are we gonna do? And he just said, uh, oh, you know, just act like you belong there. <laughs> and so I did, you know. It was actually pretty sweet, and I and it's true, I actually could not believe that I was talking to you guys. And, uh, and the, one of the weird things about it wasn't that I was just talking to you guys; it was that there were there were like these bodies, you know. I mean, there, there were like human beings there. I'm, I'm used to like staring at the speaker, you know, I can adjust the volume and stuff like that. So it was completely and totally bizarre to like hear your voices coming out of like human being bodies. It was just totally. <laughs> well, but you was
5: flatter us. That was pretty sweet.
4: So I, I had a I had a great time. That was that was just an awesome party. That was my first big conference. Oh wow. It just blew me away. I mean it was like Babylon, you know. It was
1: nuts.
4: So, <laughs> had a great time and uh yeah.
1: Well, you're a true fan. I got to tell you. Uh we don't have many people who who come up to us and 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 are speechless. Uh usually they say, you know, you want fries with that. But um <laughs> Or do you want double fries? Or, that's more <laughs> yeah. or have a salad is more like what they say.
4: That <laughs> actually really shocks me because, I mean, you look at coders, right? You know, you, you look at this group, it's like the weirdest group of people on the face of the earth. Like aside from like maybe Trekkies and, and the people who wear the cloaks and line up to lower the rings and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, coders are totally bizarre. And what you guys have done is you've sort of like taken that coder culture, taken like th- this very diverse group of people and you're like sticking it right on the public eye. You know, we are going to actually hear it. It's not just code. It's it, it's not just advice. It's not just tips and tricks, but it's the whole shebang. You
5: right. know,
4: I mean, when I listen to your show, I'm not just listening for like .dot NET information, programming information. I'm listening because I want to know, like, you know, what does Chris still think about? What do we, what does he talk about? Like, what's he interested in? Stuff like that. Right. You know, same thing with Bill Vaughn. I've come back and re-listened to the Bill Vaughn episodes, you know, more than one occasion. It's it's just one of those things. It's really fascinating to listen to the people behind.
5: All
1: this tax. You know. Well, in a way, what you're doing on your blog is sort of along the same lines. I mean, one of the problems that we have as developers is that we're part of this community by default. We're part of this de facto community. And, you know, in a social situation, it's kind of strange because the community exists all within the context of work. And, and typically we don't, you know, it's not... Uh, a local community like it's not something you just go down to the store and see everybody. So really those conferences are when everybody gets together and and we can be social. But we are part of this community and we are interested in more things than just code. And uh and we are interested in code too, but but again, you know, the personality par- aspect of it and and the whole culture part of it is something that you're also promoting on your blog, you know, making it enjoyable to digest what can be sometimes difficult material and necessary material, wouldn't
2: you say? Yeah, that's certainly key. I mean, we've always tried to make the show entertaining. And, uh, Roy, that's what stands out about your blog to me. You've got really good content in there, but it's simply a joy to read it. I'm very entertained by uh, everything you've got
4: up there. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm glad you guys enjoy, you know, with... I'll referred to as my brain droppings.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's
4: pretty cool, you know. No, I mean, that actually is good to hear. I try to, put, I try to put technical content up there because I'm sort of obsessed with the idea of, like, good communication, right? I mean, one of the things that drives me nuts about the coding world is that you've got tutorials, you've got articles, you've got this, you got that, and some of it is just really terse, really tough to get through. And I like being able to say, you know, we don't have to be so serious, we don't have to be so terse, it's perfectly okay to just go out there, you know, write the tutorial, and maybe mention something, you know, a little inappropriate, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, and have a good time with it, you know. Right. So that's, that's really the idea there. And, uh, you know, I've just been having a blast with that. And I've met some incredibly cool people, and it's been totally worth it. So.
1: Some of my favorite posts, and, and one you recently brought up again, was the uh, the appropriate behavior f- for living peacefully in a post-9-11 society. <laughs> 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 right. We'll put a link up to that,
2: complete uh, with illustrations.
1: Yeah, cut yeah, off your the hands, live in good. a box, kill your yeah. family.
4: Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the the neurons were misfiring. You know, really, just you know, uh, in a very interesting way that day. I mean, that's really what all this is. It's just not going filter. You know, I mean, I'm not really like adding any new content to right. you know, so what's already out there. So, just you just stick something in my head and it goes through this really convoluted mass of tangled neurons and comes out the other end, hopefully in a somewhat interesting format.
1: But the thing that's good is that you obviously don't take a lot of time to plan what you're going to write and you can see that and yet mm-hmm. the stuff that you just sort of whip out is great and that's the mark of a good writer is that you know somebody who can get up and orate and it sounds like you're, you're reading a book. It sounds like it's been planned out but it really hasn't. So that's, that's actually
4: good. a good point point. and the most successful posts uh, are the ones that just come come right out of left field you know like the ass post the, uh, the <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell t- 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 us about, about this whole, I was thinking about the RSS versus Adam debate, Right. and I, I just couldn't take it anymore, because to me, it's like, yeah, it's important, you know, that we discuss this stuff and whatever, but it seemed to me that it's been taken to like this really kind of extreme, you know, that maybe wasn't entirely necessary. And I In just, other like, words, you know, we
1: gotta, for the listeners who don't know, it's the standards war of RSS, basically.
4: Exactly, yeah, the two battling XML formats for syndicating, comment, or for syndicating uh, uh, content in a, in a simple manner. Right. And uh, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And that just came right on my head. I just thought, that's it. You know, what we need is an ad feed. And you know what? Nobody mentioned.
1: ASS, ASS is, in other words, is what you're talking about. What, what do does say? ASS stand for?
4: Oh, ASS stands for another simple syndication. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not just a pie-in-the-sky technology. I mean, it's the real thing. You know, it's happening now. And people are using it. You know, wow. and it's really exciting. And uh, nobody nobody mentioned this, but the the date format for us actually is the Mayan, you know, calendar, and right. the conversion is accurate. <laughs> I mean, we I am actually doing, you know, modern day to Mayan calendar conversion. Nobody mentioned that. That was really the most exciting part of all of that for me. That's really but cool. I just had to miss
1: here's a post from Monday, December 15th, 2003. Goodbye, Keiko. The big news at the moment, as you all know, is that we seem to have captured someone who, at the very least, strongly resembles Saddam Hussein. Even bigger news, though, is that Keiko the killer whale recently passed away. This is a sad day for me because I had a personal connection with Keiko. I actually visited him at the aquarium one day on the Oregon coast while skipping school to buy a wetsuit, get drunk, and pass out on the beach. <laughs> We were about the same age, had similar interests, and shared a similar diet. We smelled pretty much the same. The connection was immediate and stronger than blood. I also believed at the time that I was able to engage in telepathic communication with the majestic beast, although it is entirely possible that the whale was just crazy. But that's gone now, and there's a killer whale-shaped hole in my life that you could drive a truck through. You could even light it on fire, put ramps on either side, and drive a high powered American muscle car through it at a high rate of speed, although I'd prefer you didn't. Goodbye, Keiko. You were like the brother with flippers that I never had. Well, I did have one, actually, but we kept him in the closet before selling him to the circus when I was younger. I mean, where does that shit come from, man?
2: <laughs> That's very, like very Dave.
1: Douglas Adams. Yeah. Dave Barry can't do better than that.
4: I got to tell you, I was actually, a lot of this stuff comes out of working. You know, I'll be sitting there at work, I'll be coding, I'll be coding, I'll be coding, I'll be thinking, I'll be thinking, I'll be thinking, and then just bam, I don't know what it is, but I'll just think, you know what, nobody's really talked about Keiko yet. I feel like if I write, you know, three or four technical posts, then I can put one of those in and get away with it, and people aren't going to get mad at
1: me. Yeah, and I don't want the listeners to think that it's all fun. I mean, I'm re- I'm reading one here that's, geez, it must be as long as a small ebook. book Data Caching which is subtitled Managed Morphine, which is kind of cool. But, I mean, you have code samples. You have why this is cool, what's cool about it, how to do it, um, the cache dependency, how to use that, uh, some perspective. I mean, that's an article.
2: It's a very educational article, too. If someone that wants to know what caching is all about, you pretty much lay it all out.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you,
4: when you get right down to it, there's really only about – six lines of functional code in there. But I wanted to explain exactly what those six lines did because, in my opinion, you know, like the surrounding, you know, the, the context for this code is really what's important. That's right. often missing from tutorials that I read. I mean, it's from a real-world example, from something that we did at Vesta. And uh, I wanted to take anybody who is who is not really familiar with ASP.NET or who doesn't know a lot about some of the more interesting aspects of ASP.NET and take them from, you know, problem to solution and say look, here's how you do it. You know, get a couple, you know, chuckles out of them, but overall make the educational experience as pleasant as humanly possible.
1: Preach on, brother. That's, yeah, um, actually, that's so I'm actually I
4: was really happy with how that came out. There was some one of the great things about blogs is that there's always great discussion. Yeah, there's so, 21
1: comments on this post that I was just referring to, and they're they're pretty good. I mean, so so there you get not just like you're reading an article in a magazine where you put it down and you wonder, "Yeah, but I have this question about that." There, you can actually go in and, and read the questions that other people had, clarify things that you might not understand, and even ask a question yourself. It's very yeah, cool. So
4: I got up actually to use the bathroom at about four o'clock in the morning and freaked out when I discovered that somebody had you know discovered a bug in my like six lines of code. Right. And uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I I'm, I'm actually really happy about. So, I mean, you've got all these people coming out. You know, every once in a while I get a comment from somebody you know that I consider to be pretty important. So I mean, I know there are people who are reading this stuff. And you think it'd be embarrassing, but the fact is if I learn from it, then that's actually a really cool experience.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
4: I was really glad to to see that comment and there were a few solutions provided to, to solving that problem. I mean I calculated about though, and your chances were like one in, you know, five billion, you know, of like actually encountering this particular but it's still a potential bug and I learned that, you know, from the readers.
5: Right. So that's
4: really cool getting feedback like that. Yeah. And that's what I want it.
2: So another timely topic you have, uh... The recent posts you've had have been about contracting and the challenges of uh, getting work and how do you handle it. Uh, I thought those were very entertaining posts as well. Or not just entertaining, but they're they're informational.
4: Sure, that's another thing. I mean, I've had a lot of friends, you know, a lot of my nerd friends ask me, how do you get into it, what do you do? And so those two posts were really sort of uh, like the culmination of all those discussions. I mean, contracting is a really weird thing. You know, when you think about it, and it's nice to be able to help a couple of people out, you know, even if that is all it is. You know, one or two people, it's nice to be able to help them out and say, look, here's how you get started. Here's what you can expect to encounter. Here are the problems you're going to have, and, you know, here's how to get around. So it's not just technical stuff either. It, 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 it's not just advice on, you know, how to live in a post-9-11 America. It's not just, you know, the occasional take-off <laughs> post. It's not just, you know, code. It's also uh, what I call, like, this sort of, you know, meta stuff. You know, it's yeah. things surrounding coding because, you know, like we've been talking about, it's a whole culture, it's a whole community. It's not just code. You know, if we can help each other out by communicating about these things online in a nice manner and have a good time, you know, then it's good.
1: Speaking of a nice manner, I know that you've been taken to task several times for being mean, and people just don't get it. You know, they don't get what the humor is all about, and uh, take it take things personally. And uh you've been you know uh the open source community in particular always shows up on your doorstep as they do mine by the way, anytime I have any kind of complaint about something that you know i'm I'm having I'm struggling with and i and I put up a question for somebody asking you know regardless of what it is, if it's anything that reflects poorly on dot net or on my ability to grasp it, some open source guys will come around and tell me, I should use Linux, yeah, yeah, so you've and been there. Actually-
4: Okay, yeah. So you know, you get all this, you get all these negative comments, you get all this negative email. Um, but what you're really trying to do, sometimes, at least in my case, is kind of like try to bring the community together a little bit. Yeah. You know, or or try to understand why it is that people are so anti-Microsoft, because there's this really irritating public perception of Microsoft in some circles as being like this big, dangerous, blah, blah blah company. Right. You know, nobody ever talks about, like, the Gates Foundation, the $24 billion slated for charity. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, nobody ever talks about, like, you know, what they've done for the desktop, what they've done for developers. I mean, .net. How
1: about printers? You know, How would you like to write your own printer drivers?
4: Right, for example, you know, probably not very pleasant. You know,
1: no.
4: <laughs> I, I haven't had to do it, you know. Somebody asked me, so I'd probably move to Canada. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, hide, you know, dodge the draft, as it were. But, uh, you know, they, they've definitely done a lot for developers.
5: Yeah,
1: and, sure they and,
4: have. Uh, and that's one thing I, I, I kind of try to communicate.
1: You've done open source before. You had said yeah. in a blog, I read uh, one of your entries, that you had been there, done that, and you think .NET is superior than uh, the tools that you've seen out there for Linux or for open source operating systems. Uh, so tell me about that.
4: Well, my first contract gig ever, actually, was writing a Linux textbook. So, I mean, I've definitely kind of been around the block. Um, that was... Uh, I was after this summer just kind of sitting around in my skivvies and uh, playing with Red Hat. And, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty cool and everything. But I got through that. I did, I did some development, you know, using open source technologies. I did some stuff. You know, I did a lot of, uh, you know, some Perl here, you know, kind of a little bit of Python. Um, I eventually set up a whole site built on open Java technologies. You know, it, it, I, I had the whole open source mentality. Everything had to be open source. Right. And, uh, you know, it was really kind of a headache for me. I mean, it was free. That was really the one bonus. But once you get past that, I mean, the amount of time that it took me to actually get things up and running, the amount of time it took me to maintain those things, the amount of time it took me to develop for those things, just really kind of paled in comparison to being able to fire up VB, which is what was around at the time, and just bang, crank out an application that worked, that did what I wanted it to, and not get caught up in like the political arguing and all right. that kind of stuff, but just take something on its technical merit and and use it. And that's exactly what Microsoft did. Uh, you know, provided me anyway. And .NET just took that to the next level. I mean, I just, I remember the first time I fired up, you know, Beta 1 of Visual .NET, and I found that it actually had, you know, a fully functioning, you know, ASP.NET debugger. The idea of being able to do web work and debug it, you know, effectively and easily just blew my mind.
1: Yeah, that doesn't happen every day.
4: Right. I had gotten involved with a, with a startup. Everything was going to be JSP-based. And uh, I just, I basically just dropped it all. I mean, I seriously, very quickly lost interest. So, I mean, it's not like I'm coming to this stuff, you know, just guns blaring without anything to back it up. I've right. definitely, you know, been there, and it's, it's not always that pretty. You know, would you say care. that
2: Microsoft tools are all about productivity?
4: I, th- I think so. I mean, you, you, could, you could say that, but I think that actually almost, uh, I think it would be very hard to really sum them up in one word. You know, productivity describes, you know, what you can do. But it doesn't describe like the aesthetics. You know, it doesn't really describe the experience. You know, I mean, it doesn't describe like how easy it is to get something done. We like right. to. Uh, I mean, you can definitely crank a lot of things out, but I mean, you can be productive in Java too. Uh, but I, I, I can't help you know the fact that I get kind of belligerent when I think about the fact that uh, object, for example, in Java falls under Java.lang.object. That doesn't make any sense to me. System.object that speaks to me. It's simple. It's it it, it, it it's to the point. It's you know, it, it really is a root object. It's not existing off of some, you know, branch of the namespace, off in, you know, who knows where. Uh, there's, there's really more to it, in my opinion, than just productivity. I think from really a level of appreciating the framework or the technology aesthetically. I mean, .NET really has a lot to offer. It's very, very clean, very straightforward. And, and well, I mean, actually, I guess I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. You all know this, but it really is just a fascinating, wonderful, clean technology. So.
2: It never hurts to say it again.
1: I was just going to say that. So, uh, what do you think of, uh, Longhorn? I mean, you, you got the bits from the PDC. Did you install them? I, you know, what, what's your, what's, what do you think of all this stuff?
4: Actually did. Um, I, uh, I fired up my laptop, my little Centrino 1.3 and, uh, I stuffed it into, uh, virtual PC 2004 beta. It fired, you know, right up perfectly. Everything actually ran right out of the box. I've heard some horror stories, but for me, it just worked. And, uh, I've had some time to mess with XAML and to mess with Avalon and mess with this and mess with that, and I have a top secret Longhorn project that I'm going to be putting on my blog. Hopefully, within the next couple of months, I'd mm. like it to be sooner, uh, but I've been pretty busy. And uh, all I'm going to tell you is that it's going to be an aggregator, unlike anything you've ever seen. You might not ever want to use it again. You might hate it. You might kind of laugh and think it's terrible. But it is. It, it, the idea here is that I'm going to try to make it into a sort of a, into a sort of tutorial kind of project. You know, like cool. an introduction to XAML and to uh, Avalon, and it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Great. So I know that you like WinFS, but let me read, uh, from your blog here about your first, uh, your first thoughts about WinFS here. I knew WinFS was going to be awesome, but it's even awesomer than I expected. It isn't just going to make searches instantaneous. You're going to be able to easily create your own metadata schemas that can be tied into the shell. Think about it like this. You have your collection of porn. And you want to be able to search based on how dirty it is.
4: You know, I mean, I, I, like, I like to apply technology to real-world problems, you know. <laughs> I'm just doing dealing with it. Obviously This is what I was kind of dealing with. I, I've been dealing with this since I was, you know, since I basically had a modem, you know. I mean, this, this is an age-old problem, so. <laughs>
1: Like many of you, I too uh, tried out Crystal Reports because it came with Visual Studio.net and soon found myself up against uh, walls in development and uh, licensing problems, which I'm sure you know about. And then somebody told me about Data Dynamics Active and since then I've been hooked. Listen, everybody that I know, every regional director, Every MVP that I know, everyone who has experience with using report generators uh, will tell you the same thing. ActiveReports.net is the thing to get. Let me tell you about it. It's easy to use uh, because it fully integrates with Visual VisualStudio.net. It has a Office-like designer, so it's very easy to understand. And developers, you can use whatever language you know to program the report. It's not specific to one language. Um, And the reports in your application work just like forms. They're compiled into the app, and you, the developer, can reference any of the objects, functions, and custom data sources in the report. It also has full ASP.NET support with a web viewer, HTTP handlers, and full integration into web applications. It's also easy to license. There's a royalty-free, per-developer licensing scheme which makes it really easy to license in any setting. WinForms, WebForms, servers, no CPU-based or user-based uh, licensing, and really no hassle. Now, very easy to deploy. You can use XCopy deployment. Complete flexibility. It's just It was just made for .NET. It's absolutely cool. And if you've used ActiveReports for vb 6 you'll be all that much more familiar with it. Uh, I also want to mention a couple things about the company, Data Dynamics, just in case you don't know who they are. They were established in 1996. They're based in Columbus, Ohio, and they focus on quality components and superior technical support. Most products are best sellers in the ActiveX and .NET markets, including Active Reports, Active Bar, Sharp Grid, and Dynamic Cube. Check it out. I wouldn't use anything else, personally, and uh, you can take my word for it.
4: The nice thing is back in the days when I had a 2400 baud modem, I could only suck down about one photo an hour, so I didn't really have the indexing problem that I have now. <laughs> you know, it was my you know server farm sucking down terabytes, you know, <laughs> on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, it's going all right. Yeah. So, see, that's an example, you know. But technology it doesn't have to be all stuffy. You know, have a good time. Yeah, right. People laugh, you know. <laughs> I'm hoping Bill Gates reads the blog and laughs occasionally, too. <laughs> I, I, have, I have this idea in my head that sometimes, you know, just... When nobody else is looking, he turns on his computer and he reads my blog until milk shoots out of his nose.
5: Well I think it's even cooler. But I
4: think it's even better is if he didn't actually drink any milk first. So then he'd be like, Oh well, hey, you know, where'd this milk come from? You know? So I like that idea. You know. That would just be awesome. So if you're listening, Bill, you know, I'd be honored. But yeah, so, so that, that that actually was a fun post. And WinFS, you know, really does blow me away. I mean that's gonna be such an awesome technology for, for end users and for everybody. I mean it's gonna finally, you know, take that stupid search dog to the pound right and uh you know, put it out of its misery. You know? Yeah. I mean actually I understand I understand we're still gonna have the search dog, actually. That's what I heard. But not going to be fully dependent on the search dog.
1: He's gonna be a race racing dog now. He's gonna be a greyhound. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So Len Pryor from Microsoft, who is going to be a future guest on the show at some point, he uh really made the light go on about why it's good to have uh, a SQL indexing engine built into the file system, he asked these two questions. Question one, how long would it take you to find a file on your hard drive by content using search? And the answer is, well, you know, go to lunch and come back. (laughs) And now how long would it take you to Google it? And the answer is, well, probably just a second or two. Mm-hmm. You know, or however long it takes you to scroll down and find the right one. And so, it's, so the result of that, those questions and answers is that it's faster to find a file in the world than it is on your own freaking computer.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's
4: absolutely the truth. I mean, that, I, think, I think that's what everybody's waiting for. It, it is sort of like this big question mark. I know Scott Henselman brought that up a few times, too. And, uh, I mean, I've listened to him talk about it, and it, it is a frustration. You know, I mean, why is it you can't search 80 gigs in less than you know five minutes, but you can nail everything in the universe?
1: And the in indexing, one
4: yeah, yeah, and the indexing oh, okay.
1: service that that comes in Windows is tacked on, and of course, there's no metadata in in the file there, so it's, the you know, I don't know who uses the indexing service, but I tried it once, and and just your regular everyday CPU and disk cycles go through the roof mm-hmm. with that, so that's not the solution. So I guess WinFS, if this is the first time you've heard about it, listeners, WinFS will give you the you know the storage mechanism of the file system, but in addition, there's metadata associated with the files that's indexed by a SQL Server powered engine, and that's sort of what you were saying in your porn post. there.
5: exactly. Yeah, I mean
4: I was saying it in a slightly different way. You in know, a slightly different. But I was getting at you know I mean the wet dry back thing. That's really what it comes down.
2: That's to. That's basically know? it. And you know, today uh, I was just looking at uh, at the machine I'm in front of right now. I've got uh, a little over 400 uh, gigabytes of hard drive space here, and it, it you know, countless folders. I don't even know what all's on this machine. So I, I you know, I couldn't do a search of the drives and uh, you know, not go read War and Peace while it was running.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem. And of course, when you have a tool that allows you to. I guess the term is aggregate, right? To find files that all belong to the same sort of family or schema or that are associated with a particular project or a person or what have you, then the whole idea of going through a hierarchy of folders just becomes silly. I mean, would you open up SQL Server and just start browsing a tree? It's like using regedit, you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Who wants to do that? So I kind of think that the whole way that we use computers with Longhorn and WinFS is, you know, that whole file explorer paradigm is just going to go out the window, which I can't wait for, personally.
2: Yeah, me either. Well, Roy, uh, I guess Friday is going to be a big day for you this week, isn't
4: it? Yeah, actually, it's going to be. Okay, and I've been waiting for this my entire life, okay? I mean, I have to say that before I say, you know, exactly what's going on, right? I mean, I started using DOS at version 1.1, one. Okay. I mean, I was back there, the, the, the first basic interpreter I ever used, you know, it was, it was, it was basic version one. I, I mean, I grew up with, like, Microsoft. I, it just, absolutely everything I did, you know, except for this slight, you know, little sidetrack I had with Linux and stuff like that. But, you know, everything I did was, uh, was MS. And I'm finally, finally, you know, after all these years, after, like, 20 years or something, finally going to get to go up to the Redmond campus.
5: Oh, and cool.
4: I am absolutely thrilled about that. And it is my birthday, and I'm going to go up, and we're going to have a good time. I'm going to, I'm going to get to meet Sean Morrissey and, you know, the guys at MSDN. i uh, going to go out to lunch, walk around, Then we're going to go to a company store where I'm going to try to buy Charles Petzold, and then I'm going to come back. <laughs> and it's going to be really, really, really cool if I can fit Charles Petzold into my car. Which I think I can. I've got, I've, got, I've got a Mini, and I don't know if he's tall or what, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, if, 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 if he's not too tall, then I'm taking him with me. So Yeah. <laughs> Like like most people, I picked up a copy of Code, and, you know, the book isn't enough. I want to, like, own the human being. You
5: know?
4: <laughs> so, so I'm totally pumped about that. And I have, yeah, I've just been waiting for so long. So that's, that's like, the greatest birthday present in the universe. And and it's really cool that Sean Morris has been able to get me up there. So
1: and all this came about because you went to the PDC? Y-
4: you know, it actually goes even further back. It, it all started with Chris Sells Applied XML DevCon. Where I wrote this little post about how I was in the bathroom and Don Box, you know, was in there, and I accused him of trying to, you know, look at the bits. So I'm not talking about, you know, like the PVC bits. I'm talking, you know, about like the bits. And uh, and for some reason, that post, you know, got a lot of attention. And uh, ever since then, you know, it's just sort of been uh, it's just been getting better.
1: It's mushroomed, so to speak.
5: Yeah,
4: it has. <laughs> it re- it really has done something. So. So it started with the XML Applied DevCon, uh, you know, Chris Fels gave me some exposure there, which was just totally awesome. I was actually blogging that for one guy. The one guy who read my blog, Stuart Laughlin, you know, he just said, you're going to that? You know, why don't you write about that for me? And I was like, yeah, for you, Stuart, okay, you know, I mean, you give me those 30 hits a day, you know, I'll, right. I'll do that. And uh, ever since then, you know, the traffic's been growing, and I don't understand why it's been happening or where the traffic has been coming from, but uh, it's just been awesome. So... Yeah, the next stop was the BDC, and, and the you've got.
1: Did you have your videos back then? I mean, I don't know, Mark, if you've seen it, but Rory's got some... some. I
2: have. I've looked at three of Rory's uh, videos. Uh, the one with the guy screaming in the parking lot is one of my <laughs> favorites. Yeah,
4: that, you know, I invented blog advertising. okay? Blogvertising. I mean, the idea of, like a, of, of a blog commercial, you know? Uh, and it's totally pointless. It's just totally useless. It's just useless fun. Idea. Yeah, because I only put it up on my site, you know? You right. find it on my site. You already know about my site. It'd be like going to the Coca-Cola factory and like, you know, watching a bunch of Coca-Cola commercials. You're already there. But you know? if you're
1: a true fan, though, you'll you'll watch it.
4: Yeah, and you know it's fun. You know, guys screaming. I, I take my shirt off in slow motion, and one of them to the tune of Chariots of Fire. I mean, <laughs> you got different things going on, you know. And like I said, those are the ones that you slip in. You know, you write a few technical posts, you have a good time, then you slip in the video of yourself with your shirt off in slow mo. And you know, people let you get away with that. Which
1: is so, cool. what blogs do you read? I mean, you you obviously uh, have to read some of them. Uh, I know you read my blog, for example. What are some of the blogs out there in in the blog sphere that uh, that you read and aggregate on a regular basis?
4: I actually have this huge list, and it's hard for me to pick out like which my favorites are. Obviously, you know, I read Scoble. You know, I mean, I have to. Uh, you're I read, so almost I read,
1: obligated to read Scoble if you're in yeah. the blog sphere.
4: Yeah, you, you just yeah, you just have to. I read uh, I read Chris Sell's there's just something, there's something about his writing. I I like it. You know I mean? He's just super gifted guy. Yes, he is. And he has this great talent for writing. So I love reading his stuff. Um, I read Scott Hanselman's site. Jim Blizzard, he's like our local .NET developer evangelist. And, and he's just been super cool. So I do read quite a bit of his stuff. Um, yeah, really, I just, I just have this whole list. I, I subscribe to some feeds that I've created, like my Amazon feed for charity, which was another thing that actually kind of helped put me on the map. Um, I subscribed to, uh, I created a, a, a feed of different items of art from the Louvre. And, wow.
5: Uh,
4: I subscribed to that, you know, until they shut me down, of course, you know, but it's pretty <laughs> cool until
1: then. What are some of the uh, the coolest things lately that you've picked up just from aggregating blogs? Oh,
4: good God. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that seriously is. Um,
1: How about today? Let's just narrow it down to today. What did like you find? Right
4: now, I can something that I was reading here. Uh, Last night was the Portland Nerd Dinner. We have this on a regular basis.
1: The Portland uh, Nerd Dinner?
4: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's this group of geeks. We get together, there's usually like one nerd celebrity and a bunch of nerds. You know, you got like Chris Sells, or like last night we had Scott Hansman. You know, you always have somebody cool show up, and a bunch of us geeks, we spin sit around and pound them with questions and stuff like that. And uh, it's a really cool event. That's also put on by Jim Blizzard. And there was this guy there, Jason Olson, And we were talking about, you know, some of the interesting things going on in the Microsoft world and .NET. And he's been working on, you know, a lot of ASP.NET stuff lately. And he was talking about the ASP.NET uh, 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 text box control. And he had put it into Anacrino. And he, he wanted to see how it worked. So first thing he wanted to check out was the text property. And what he noticed was that the, uh, the text property is dependent, completely 100%, on view state. I mean, it just it it feeds from and inserts directly into the state into the into the bank. So, he thought know, that was kind of interesting. I and mean, he he was wondering how it worked, you know, without view state being turned on. So I was just kind of reading that right now. I mean, it was it, it's a fun little post, you know. It's it's, mm. it's interesting stuff going on. It's it didn't send me tumbling, but I mean, it was like a, a, a thought-provoking kind of thing, you know. Yeah, you know, why does work? It work? Why does it work with view state turned off? And back? Yeah. And uh, stuff like that. So, how about,
1: over I, the, how about over the last month? What's been one of the coolest things that you've picked up?
4: Over the last month, honestly, and I'm not saying this just because I'm on your show here, but probably one of the big topics that you know I got involved in arguing and, and talking about, discussing with, with people, was your UI layers idea on your All right. right. That one where you had like the seventy-nine thousand comments. You know, they just kind of went on. Even one from Alan Cooper, which was just.
1: Cooler and cooler. Yeah, it was. It's it's been a pretty. Let me just uh, tell people what this is, and we'll provide a link to it as well. I had this idea to, and I've always had this idea that I want to be able to turn on and off user interface elements, but not just like visible, false, true. I want to provide a simple user interface, a more intermediate user interface, and a more advanced user interface, and maybe four or five different levels or layers, if you will. That the user can either direct themselves or your program can be smart enough to say, oh, you've been using this program quite a bit. It's time to add a little more complexity. And as you know, the majority of people out there use a program and use one function and one function only repeatedly over and over and over again. The many millions of people who use Microsoft Word never get beyond you know, the first 5% of the features. And it's not that they they don't need them it's just that it's too much of a pain to go find and use and figure out how and when to do that and so would it be cool if you could just sort of strip away all the stuff that they don't use all the time and turn that into a you know beginner layer and I won't I don't mean beginner in the sense that you're a newbie in general you're just not that familiar with the program yet and what it does. Think of, think of a uh, recording program, a little audio recording program, and you could start with a user interface that's as simple as the wave player, you know, with maybe a record button and a pause button, and uh, when somebody starts getting in there and selecting stuff, you could figure out that they want to edit, so you would turn on the editing features that obviously they get through to through the user interface. And, uh, then if they want to do multi-tracking, they can turn that on as well. And so it just sort of, gr- the complexity of the UI, which is the biggest stumbling block to most people using your features, I think, is, you know, it gets progressively more complex as the person becomes more and more familiar with the basic ins and outs of the program. So as you said, uh, and that's been my idea for a long time, but the problem is that it it takes a lot of code to write it, you know, into your applications, and it's sort of such a central idea to your user interface design that, you know, it would be very difficult to write a program that does that. So I was hoping that somebody could write a plug-in or an add-in or even Microsoft into the designer, the visualbasic.net or the Visual Studio Designer, where you could always be on level one to start, and every, every control on every form has a layer property or a, let's say. And, uh, but even better than that is that I can have a way to just, say, create a new layer, and I'm now on layer two, and anything that I add to layer two only stays on layer two but I still have everything from layer one. So it's not like a layer in terms of one thing controls going over each other. It's just a layer of complexity. And then if I could add another layer and I add still more controls, then that stays at that layer. And that would automatically program the blah, 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 blah. So you can see what's going on here. Well, just a torrent of comments. I can't I don't even know how many, but um, I, I can't even count them. But a whole bunch of people had good idea. Yeah, this is really good. Another bunch of people thought I was offering some panacea that would cure the world's user interface problems. Um, and one guy uh, whose name I'm going to butcher, I'm sure, but uh, Ifiny Echurio. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but uh, the guy's a very smart developer, and he actually wrote an implementation of doing this with a layer property, in .NET and you can actually do it and actually you you have to set all the properties of all the controls by hand and you can't say from now on all the controls that I put on are going to be this layer or that layer but it's a a very easy way using an extender provider that you can provide this layer of visibility
4: well I actually wanted to talk about that too (laughs) I mean it's not much like uh, allowing I mean that that whole thread was really fascinating because you had this idea you know which you know You wouldn't use everywhere, but when you did use it, it would be awesome. In my opinion, you know, and I mean, it sounded it sounded to me like a really interesting way of handling a problem of complexity. Used right, yeah, that's the key.
2: The uh, the environment had it built in, so it'd make it easy to implement.
1: Right, and the key is used right. I mean, obviously, just by having the tool doesn't mean you can write great user interface. You have to know when what to turn on and when and why. Right.
4: Right, and, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, used, used correctly, and uh, and preferably, you know, designer, you know, which is what you were talking about through visual through the tool actually through Visual Studio. Yeah, it would be pretty sweet to be able to add controls to different layers uh, in a really easy and straightforward way. If you don't want to use it, you know, don't use it. And that's the thing that actually surprised me about a lot of the comments was that there was the occasional bit of like opposition that was sort of like, you know, what are you come on, you know, what are you talking about here? And I'm thinking, you know, if you really don't like it. You just don't use it, you know? Right. It's like there's probably a control you don't use very often. Don't drag it out of the form, you know? So Same right. sort of deal. Yeah. And I took a look at that guy's code, you know? I haven't run the uh, sample yet. I was more interested in how he did it.
1: Yeah, I looked and at it, it, it was too.
4: Pretty, yeah, it's a pretty sweet code sample. Afterwards.
1: Yeah, it works great. Um It's basically a component you drag on your form, and it adds, a, through an extender provider, it adds a layer property to all of the controls on the form. So basically if you have a current layer or a set layer or something like that, that you basically just change it from 0 to 1 to 2 to 3, and all the controls that are set to, you know, their layer properties are set, will go in and out. Yeah, it works great.
4: Yeah, I I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really cool that you posted it, that there was conversation about it, and by the time it was all said and done, there were actually like multiple implementations.
1: Yeah, and I know Billy Hollis was planning on doing an implementation as well. So yeah it's it's a wonderful thing. I I like I said I'm I'm new to blogging, relatively new. I started I think in uh October in uh 2003. So uh, but I I really really love blogging now. I mean it's just the kind of thing where you could say here's an idea and you know the rest of the people that are interested just sort of make it happen and talk yeah, about you see it. What
5: happens, yeah. And
4: then if you're Carl Franklin you get you know Ellen Cooper commenting in your blog of course which is pretty <laughs>
5: Yeah, you know?
1: and his comments were typical Cooper. I mean, he was basically saying, you know, uh, this is a bunch of crap and don't use it. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. But, um, you know, he basically said that just because you have a tool like this doesn't mean that you're going to write good UI. Um A program with good interaction will allow its users to direct the way you direct your car down the street, not the way you select functions on your home entertainment system. That that's a good quote from him. But... uh yeah, it's good. It was great. So, that was actually, that, that, that was an
4: interesting, you know, thread because of the community involvement. In my opinion, it was like uh, you had this idea, people came in, they commented on it, and to a certain extent, for the first time, I think ever in the blog world, I saw something that I might call skepticism. You know, it wasn't just like people coming out and flaming. It was actually a good, pretty intelligent discussion. Yeah, where you had like a nice point-counterpoint setup, where somebody who thought that maybe this would be a dangerous feature to have you know, made his points and then points were made, you know, counter to those and the whole thing was actually discussed to like a point. It, it was fascinating. I, I, I couldn't believe that, you know, it didn't just erupt into a flame war. But that that was a very <laughs> cool example.
1: Right. Well I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I I didn't use any inflammatory language in my original post. <laughs> um But what are some other things that you've uh that you've thought were cool? Obviously there's more than just that.
4: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's really hard for me to say, partially because I've been I've been working so much for the past uh, past couple months that I really I've been way behind on a lot of my reading. And um, when I do read something, I'll bookmark it. I'll mean to go back and look at it later, but uh, I don't always actually do that. Um, so okay, I'm, act- I'm actually I'm actually a little dry on blog references at the moment. I I, I have my <laughs> I have my staples, you know, Steve Maine, right. Uh, I, I love his stuff. You know, obviously, Don Boss. Um, yeah. But, but mainly, uh, I, I try to pick people who are a nice mix of, you know, here's my personal life and here's some technical stuff. Right. You know, because it, it, makes it, it makes it feel more like, you know, people, you know, like talking to people. I know some people get really mad when you throw personal things into your blog, but, you know, that's that's like what I think one of the main advantages is. Just well, hey,
2: keep... it's your blog, right? Yeah.
4: Exactly, It. You know it's you your want, property. Right? Yeah, you can do with it what you want. That's That's exactly it, so...
5: And again, you know, I, try,
4: I try to look for those people. Julia Lerman actually is another person. Right, she writes about you know. Sometimes she'll she'll talk about databases. Sometimes she'll talk about Vermont. So right, yeah, I actually have just this huge list, and it really is hard to narrow down. Yeah. you know what my favorites are and what I read most because I usually just read things as they come in.
2: Roy, uh, I seem to have picked up somewhere you were talking about transitioning uh, from ASP to ASP dot net. Uh, maybe it was someone that you were working with that was, was in the middle of that and you were interested in, in different ways people were approaching it?
4: Yeah, actually, um, the, the whole the whole just .NET approach, period, is is something that I think is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, you still have a lot of developers who are moving from, like, ASP to ASP.NET or BB6 to BB.NET or, you know, Java to C Sharp or whatever. I mean, whatever it is, you have a lot of people who are approaching .NET and, I've had the chance, you know, to email back and forth with some people who are, you know, who've who written to me, asked for advice on how to make the transition. I, I have a coworker, or had a coworker, my contract's up now, um, who was who was making the transition, and it was absolutely fascinating to see it happen. And it got me thinking about, you know, ways of properly approaching ASP.NET and probably ways of teaching it to these people. It, it seems like there are certain, you know, classic mistakes that are made, you know, over and over and over again when moving to .NET. You know, one of them. Is trying to do things like the old way, right? I mean, right. If, you're, if, you're, if you're coming from like the VB world, then you want to VB everything. You know, you want everything to be just like it was in VB6. If you're coming from ASP, then you want ASP.NET to be exactly like ASP was. Right. And I feel like this hurdle is something that I, I haven't really read about it too much. I'm sure there's probably like a book out there somewhere that deals with this topic exactly, but I haven't actually seen it. Uh, uh, and I think it's I think it's actually an issue that's really pretty important, like, in terms of helping people uh, move on to, you know, .NET and, and not be afraid of it. Because I know some people who are a little bit intimidated, you know, right. or who don't really want to leave their old technology behind. And they don't really fully understand what .NET has to offer. They think that .NET, like, in ASP.NET, is just, like, an extra four characters. You know, right. they don't really understand that there's, like, this whole new thing going on that is not classic ASP, that is not this server-side include... You know, DB script, you know, kind of loosey-goosey, you know, page-based development model. And I, I think that's just kind of a shame. That's that's something that I actually like to do some writing about, you know, and probably will do while, you know, during my free time here.
2: All right. That's, a, that's actually a topic that's kind of close to home for me. Uh, a couple of weeks back, I worked on a project uh, for a government agency to transition a classic ASP app over to ASP.NET. And, uh, you know, uh, first off, before I forget it, uh, you mentioned a book. Uh, Rob McDonald uh, published a book uh, through A-Press, uh, I guess about a year ago, uh, titled Moving to ASP.net, uh, which is a fairly good book uh, that addresses the topic. Uh, but, you know, on to the project that I was working on, uh, you know, we had a, a lot of pages to move over, and we kept thinking, you know, maybe there's some tool that would automate this process. And, you know, after using Google to do some searches, we uh, we, of course, found the ASP migration tool uh at asp.net uh which which actually you know does a pretty good job it uh it does a nice job of of getting something converted over but it doesn't uh get you the whole way so uh after a little more research we found a uh a tool from a company called netcool and Carl will put a link up for this okay uh they have a tool simply called asp to asp.net and uh, it's really fabulous i'd recommend it to anyone uh, that needs to, to transition uh, classic ASP to ASP.NET. Probably saved us around 70 to 80 hours of work.
4: Wow. wow! So, so did it just go through and, and uh, take old ASP pages and like uh, uh, put the ASP compatible uh, directive in there? I mean, what, what, what exactly is it? Oh,
2: doing no, like it, it? Uh, it actually looks at script and it creates code behind pages. Uh, it'll uh, target vb.net or C Sharp uh, for the particular project I worked on. Uh, we had it targeting vb.net. Uh, one thing that, that's worth uh, mentioning, uh, they amazingly had uh, some code that was calling a script component. I don't know if you've ever seen these or not, but they're basically script uh, that are, are stored in a WSC file, uh, a Windows scripting component extension. And, you know, it's something like an administrator could write without having to compile it, and then you could you could call it almost like you would call a library. Uh, this tool actually took that scripting component and converted it to a DLL. <laughs> and it converted the code in the page that called the DLL. It's really, truly amazing. Uh, so do, you know, uh, we'll put a link up for it. Uh, Absolutely. If it's something you've got to do, I'd highly recommend you taking a look at it. Absolutely. And you can download a demo from their site to run as well. I think the cost of it was around $600. Uh, you know, if it saved you 80 hours of consulting work, uh, that's quite a deal.
1: That is awesome. Yeah, really. So my friend Ted Neward called me and told me he was the editor-in-chief of this brand-new .NET portal called the server Now, the server-side has been traditionally a Java community, but they are launching a huge .NET portal that has the support of Borland, Microsoft, DevelopMentor, and DataDirect, and other companies. And there's a lot of great content up there. There are video interviews with Don Box and Scott Guthrie. There's some case studies. There's lots of great articles. Uh, There's pointers to things on MSDN. Uh, There's news. Uh, Lots and lots of articles. Right now I'm looking at a public review. Some chapters from a book that's up and coming that are available for review. There's uh, an article on unit testing in .NET. It looks pretty good. There's an article on autonomous services and the new information architecture. Uh, All stuff on click once. Uh, All sorts of great stuff. And Ted Neward, who is uh, a friend of ours and and a teacher for uh, Developmentor, he's he's the editor-in-chief, as I said before. So you know that uh, it's going to be great content. He's the guy picking it. So do us and them and everyone a favor and yourselves, and go to www.theserverside.net. Hey, now let's get back to this ridiculous and hilarious and very informative talk with Rory Blythe, and uh, we will wish Mark adieu in his journeys. Stick around.
4: Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh even even like beyond just uh, uh the conversion of the code, it's also just like the mindset. Helping somebody understand, you know, what exactly is going on with Code Behind, what's going on with the whole post back scenario, how to how to deal with events, how to how to deal with uh you know web forms in general because they're so completely different than ASP. So a tool like that would actually be really cool. Um, probably just for even instructive purposes, because one of the things that I was worried about was just moving the whole mindset over. I mean, you can get the code, and then you have to teach someone exactly how to use it, exactly what's going on. And it's so different from classic ASP that, uh, you know, that that's really probably where the concern is, like, in my opinion. But, yeah, that sounds like an awesome tool.
5: Yeah.
1: Into the compact framework and mobile devices, Rory? hmm Tablet PCs, on, all of that stuff?
4: Well, I, I have, like, a PDA fetish,
1: actually. Uh-oh. I oh. Mean, I've,
4: <laughs> I've, I've been, like, buying, you know, PDAs since the original iPad came out. Uh-huh. I mean, I, w- I called the CompUSA, you know, representative just day and night, you know, for like two months before that thing came out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I waited in line, I did the whole deal, I reserved my PDA. So, yeah, uh, uh, .NET Compact Framework is very close to my heart right now. Um, especially having worked with, you know, a bit of EVB, a bit of BBC. Um, mm-hmm. the .NET Compact Framework is, is so much cooler than anybody has ever talked about that I've ever heard. I've, I've heard the occasional, little bit of, you know, well, it doesn't do things exactly how I want, or I don't like the fact that, you know, I don't have all the overloads that I have in the full framework or this or that. But, I mean, to those people, I always say, have you ever done anything with embedded Visual Basic? Yeah, Because right. it's like Big like Basic with a forms builder, you know. Yep. I mean, moving to the .NET Compact Framework was so incredibly awesome that I, I I couldn't believe it. I seriously waited, like, in anticipation, just salivating, drooling, just lust for that thing, for the Compact Framework, you know. I I mean, it is really an awesome tool, and it has actually made developing for a PDA like a realistic, just very easy, straightforward uh, uh, prospect.
1: What kind of things have you done with it?
4: (laughs) Okay. Uh, The the, the main thing that I did actually was for myself, and I had this problem where uh, my face was going numb, okay? (laughs) I have no idea why. I don't know where it came from. Um, just completely out of nowhere. Are you serious? And like a like I'm, a. I'm totally serious.
1: Neuralgia kind of thing, maybe.
4: I, I I don't know what it was. It's like my lip was quivering, and then it would just go numb.
1: Ever and, been to Memphis? It, maybe. Uh, been to the Elvis Presley Museum?
4: <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, the, the sneering. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I never. I never really found out. But it it was going on for like two months. You know, and being in contract, I paid for my own health insurance, which means that. I bought like this stuff that has like the $4,000 deductible. It's like the in case your head falls off and you have to have it thrown back on.
1: It's <laughs> a catastrophic
4: you know I mean. policy, yeah. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. yeah. So you pay <laughs> you know, for everything except your death.
4: Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's not really good insurance. And, and so I decided to kind of go on ahead and write this app to help me figure out what was going on, like what the cause of my numbness was. And, and so that my, my first, you know, like really decent, you know, .NET compact framework, uh, assignment for myself was creating this application that allowed me to keep track of various aspects of, you know, the numbness, um, what kind of food I was eating that day, how much caffeine I had had, yeah. um, how many kegs of beer I had, you know, taken in during the past 24 hours. I mean, just various things that I thought might contribute to any sort of numbness. And mm. I just whipped that sucker together in like two hours, and it has this, it it it, it has these cool little features that I wish I could. You know, somehow show you, but I, I could hold them up now, and you could all squint at your speakers
5: mm-hmm. and
4: and you know try to get the idea. But uh, <laughs> it has this picture of my face, and and I used uh, I used uh, the System. dot drawing namespace to create this little vector based drawing you know system, so that I could actually circle exactly where the numbness was on any given day, mm. and uh, where where the irritation was worse, and maybe like where the uh, the trembling of the lip was worse, and uh, I store all that using Uh, XML just behind the scenes as a series of vector points. And, I mean, it was just awesome. It was such coding pleasure. I mean, I I, I wanted, like, other body parts to go numb
5: so that I could (laughs) explain it
4: and and write more. I I really couldn't believe it. I mean, having done work with with Embedded Visual Basic and Embedded Visual C++, I could not believe how incredibly easy it was to get something together that quickly that did just exactly what I wanted it to. And, I mean, I I didn't actually encounter any bots. You know, while I was yeah.
1: working on it, I did a similar program, not with graphics, but just mm-hmm. with some simple data entry and storage, um, and uh, quickly found out that, hey, you know, data set write XML is the answer to your database.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, before we move past it, I want to know what was causing your face to go numb. There you go. Did you uh, find the answer to this mystery? Actually, I
4: have a condition. Well, it, it, it's a migraine condition and uh, I don't actually get any migraine pain whatsoever, but I do get this thing called scintillating scotoma, which causes me to go blind like every six months. Um, I have this really depressing story that involves Paris, uh, Notre Dame, beer and a homeless guy and blindness. I'm not going to tell it right now. It's really sad. <laughs> and, you know, and stuff. But But yeah, I, I basically go blind for about 45 minutes every few months and uh, my doctor thinks that it might be partially related to that condition. Actually, what he told me was something I simply don't understand. He said, "I think there's a slow voltage change happening across a portion of your brain." And I looked back at him, just thinking, "I'm giving you like $200 to tell me this, you know?" I mean, what are you,
1: Frankenstein? Yeah.
4: <laughs> but but I helped him out. You know, my, my my PDA thing had a desktop component. It had this whole reporting tool I built, cool. where it compiled all the data, printed everything out. You know, it did these just beautiful. You know forms, and I and, and I handed that stack to him, and he just looked at me like I was nuts, like I had more than the slow voltage change problem, you know. But uh,
1: it, it was awesome. That was that was great. Well, hey, uh, I'm I'm reading another thing on your blog that's kind of funny. This was if you if the listeners remember during the time of the PDC in October, the uh, whole California, all, all of Southern California was ablaze practically. Not true, but it l- seemed that way. And so you were writing this on Sunday at 5.30 p.m. And the title of your of this entry is The Whole Stupid State Caught on Fire. <laughs> so listen to this. I'll read a little of it. I'm finally leaving. Every flight to Southern California was canceled this afternoon because most of the state caught on fire. This is pretty weird considering the very last PDC dream that I had. Colon. I was sitting in a plane on the runway when a bunch of blacker than black clouds started flowing onto the sky into the sky, and our flight was unable to take off one of life 's funny little coincidences so i 'm not flying to l a after spending an hour in line meeting a perfume entrepreneur and the head of, a, of portland state university 's computer science department, someone I had worked with over the phone online but never met in person. I got to the ticket counter and I was like, all, I need to go to LA. The ticket counter rep was all like, you can't. And I was like, all, but I want to. And she was like, all, screw you. And I was like, all, screw you. And then she was all up in my face and like, go to hell. And I was all like, I can't. I'm going to be too busy going to LA without you, you customer service nightmare. And I was right. Got my dad on the phone, told him to look up flights to Las Vegas on a few airlines, found some options, and chose Southwest, as it would put me in Las Vegas around 7.30. Then he asked the logical question, how is this going to get you to LA? That's when I told him to bring up MapQuest and get the driving time between the two cities. Came out to be about four hours, which is perfect. My plan then is to fly into Vegas, a city I've never visited, grab a car, preferably a Porsche or something, and then cruise through the desert at a high rate of speed in the general direction of L.A. I'm pumped. I'm actually glad that I'm not going to be getting to L.A. the way that I had initially wanted. This is going to be fun. So what happened? Did you actually drive? You didn't get a Porsche, obviously, but you drove from from Las Vegas to L.A.?
4: Yeah, I got this actually American equivalent to a Porsche. It was a Chevy Cavalier, and it was pretty <laughs>
5: awesome.
4: Um, it was really sweet. Uh, I, you know what? My whole goal was actually to – the whole reason I wanted to get to the PDC that night on time was because I wanted to make it to the .NET Rock show. And oh, that's cool. I told somebody to save me a seat, and he did. You know, and it was obviously a beast But, um, yeah, I was so desperate to get to the PDC on time to get to your show and also to make sure that I get to see Bill Gates in person because I never have. Right. And he's this fascinating figure to me. And so I flew down to Vegas. Um, I, I had no idea what was going on. I had no plan. Um, all I knew was that I, I had to get there. So I get to Vegas. I get out. I'm totally just shocked. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, you walk into the bathroom there's slot machines. You know, right. you pull the urinal flusher and, you know, you get a jackpot. It was completely <laughs> just freaky. You know, just sparkles everywhere. And, and uh, you know, 200 year old, you know, living embalmed, you know, like zombies standing at these things. It, it was. Something. So I walk through the airport. I go to the go to the go to the desk for the rental car. I ask for the car. He tells me that the main road between Vegas and LA is shut down. Right, and that's a little bit depressing because that's the four-hour road. And and yeah. he doesn't tell me how to get there. He doesn't give me the new one. He just gives me the, the the receipt and the keys. And so I head I head on over to pick up the car. You know my American Porsche. I pick the thing up, and they gave me just enough directions to get out of the parking lot. And I stopped at a 7-Eleven where there were slot machines, and this is still blowing me away. I still can't <laughs> believe it. And uh, and I just started driving. Um, I, I just cruised through Las Vegas, headed out, got on the freeway, and I started heading down this, I, I think it was Highway 25 or something, whatever it was. It just went south in totally the wrong direction. Like, I was going to Mexico and not to California. Oh. And and it just t- it, it took forever. And it, I eventually was able to hook up with this little highway, Highway 10, heading west, and I made it. I made it into LA. I drove through, you know, soot that was snowing on the car. and I saw the fires up in the hills and I was seeing triplicate by the time I actually pulled in. And, uh, I made it to the PDC like two hours before, uh, Gates gave the speech. Oh, I wow. crawled out of bed and, uh, you know, for my half hour sleep went in there and, you know, blogged the keynote, which was totally awesome getting to actually see that. So that was actually a lot of fun.
5: Yeah.
4: And, and I had a great time. There was, there was, I had never, ever done anything like that. I mean, driving through the Mojave Desert. You know, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, listening to—I don't know why—but every on every station there was like an Aerosmith song playing. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on. It was—it was a weird situation out there in the Mojave Desert that night, and just getting to kind of experience that—it really just added to the trip.
1: How long did that take?
4: Yeah, the the end result—I left Portland. God, I think I left Portland like three or four o'clock. I, I really don't remember three or four p.m. And I got in to L.A. at like four or five o'clock in the morning so it was really yeah it it was a hell of a drive but uh it was totally worth it and of course you know they actually opened up the airport i'm giving an understand like three hours after i got my flight to la yeah or to las vegas so that was a little weird but it was totally cool and a lot of people did that
1: right yeah i know we were actually expecting a very low turnout at the dot net rock show and uh the room was two-thirds full i would say and there maybe, were
2: probably six, six to eight hundred people there, I would guess.
1: Yeah, and uh, maybe over two thirds full, maybe uh, three quarters. I'm not sure. But uh, what was cool about it was, um, you know, if if it had not, if there had not been a fire, how many people would have come? <laughs> right. You know.
4: Uh, yeah, and, and that, that that was a bummer. Actually, I mean, I I got to listen to the show. It was cool you guys put it up, but yeah, I wanted to be there. You know, I wanted to win the Xbox, you know, I want to do the whole
1: deal. But. Well, afterwards, um, some people from Microsoft came up to me and said, this is definitely going to be a, an, an annual event. <laughs> if they had anything to do with it, that is. I'm, that's not a promise. but uh,
4: With the fire. The
1: yeah, the fire. The yeah. Day, you know?
4: <laughs> They're going to start
2: a fire in L.A.
4: every year. <laughs> well, I know some Linux guys who would probably, you know, not stop short of accusing
1: of that. So Yeah, right. It well, gets ridiculous. we wrap
4: up,
2: Roy. I want to mention one of your, uh, your posts on your blog. You did a review of uh, of the Mac OS Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was very very good, uh, and I, I want to encourage people to go back and look at that. I think that was about a month back, wasn't it? That you yeah it was about
5: that. a month ago, yeah.
2: Right. And uh, what what caught my attention is you had uh, an Airbus uh, crashing into a forest in France, and <laughs> uh, you you <laughs> it's very well written. It uh, you don't come out and explain why the picture is there uh, <laughs> until the very end of the article. So I won't tell any more than that. I want our listeners to go to your blog and read it.
1: Cool. We'll link that.
4: that that's a good device. You know, I, I like the idea. Yeah, more people go. You know, I, I totally agree with that. I back you up one hundred percent Well,
2: one one thing that really caught me is you talked about tech support. Uh, you had a, I think, some kind of wireless card that uh, that died, and uh, you know the uh, the snobbish tech support person uh, answering all your questions <laughs> with, I guess, and well, yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and that's from Apple. That, that's from like you know the People Company. I don't I don't remember what their actual slogan is, but I mean I think couldn't believe it. I called I up and I was like, was. yeah, you know, I got this airport card. I'm trying to connect my Linksys wireless router. It all worked like ten minutes ago, and everything just suddenly broke like I out of nowhere. I don't know, like was it a solar flare? Like what happened here? You know, <laughs> the guy's just like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, you guess it's a solar flare? Yeah, sure. I'm like, you know, come on, you know, throw me a bone here, guy. You know, I mean, I just bought your stupid operating system. I paid like three thousand dollars for this, you know, fancy schmanty smooth you know, laptop boxy thing here. I mean, do something for me. So I was actually shocked. And, and yeah, with that that post had a lot to do with just, like, Apple's arrogance in some areas. I mean, I, I really do like my Mac. You know, I, I have a great time with it. It's fun. You know, it's sweet and everything. You know, but uh, uh, there there's some things that just drive me nuts. And it's the it's the Apple versus Microsoft. We're better than you. Well, also, i
1: got to think that, uh, this is going to sound like a slam on Mac users, but I would think that you're a Mac user because you don't like to tinker with computers. You know what I mean? And you and you like just l- set it up, do your word processing, y- and turn it off. Um, and I imagine that you know when something goes wrong to the point where you got to call support, uh, I c- I can't imagine the tech support for Mac would be a very fun job. <laughs> And I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Uh,
1: <laughs> then again, there's no excuse for that kind of crap. But uh, you know, do you, you read The Onion, right, Rory? Theonion.com.
4: I, I do like every six months. So let's just say yes.
1: Yeah, every once in a while I go up there too. Great, great magazine, by the way. Um, well, there was a there was a satire story that uh, had the headline: "Apple employee fired for thinking too different." <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, um, Rory, you and I have a job to do here. We have to uh, send Mark off into the wild blue yonder, never to come, never to come again as an official co-host of .NET Rocks. I, Mark, we have a we have a little presentation to give you that we put together. All right.
2: Man, I am always excited. Georgia. Hey, how y'all doing out there?
3: The whole day through.
2: Y'all have to have that tattooed on my arm.
3: Just an old sweet song.
2: Pound for pound, we're the best trainers in the business.
3: Keeps Georgia on my mind.
2: Yeah, bugs down here are a method of travel. They're (laughs) really large.
3: I said Georgia.
1: And speaking of fun, this is going to be an exciting show, don't you think, Mark? Georgia. Oh, no doubt.
3: A song of youth.
2: Really excited about tonight's show.
3: Comes as sweet and clear.
2: So Microsoft hasn't changed the, uh, the name of anything this week, huh? The pines. That's right, in the Deep South. Deep South. Have the bugs come out yet? Yeah, I drove one to work this morning. <laughs>
5: For
3: the arms reach out to me. You couldn't
2: sling a dead cat without hitting a rock wall up there.
3: <laughs> the eyes smile tenderly.
2: Hey. Another episode of This Old Crack House.
3: Still in the peaceful dreams I see the road.
2: Yeah, the, the kids need shoes, man.
3: I said Georgia.
2: I can't say I'm not excited.
3: Oh, it's
2: right, they're frozen to the front porch right now.
3: <laughs> no peace I find. It made
2: me want to shave a cat. I mean, I, it was very frustrating <laughs> for me. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: I found Metamucil helps.
3: Keeps Georgia on my mind.
2: Yeah, my wife used to, like, you know, serve spaghetti with a nice red sauce and go, yeah, this guy had a gunshot wound to the head.
3: Her arms reach out to me. At one point, she,
2: uh, she says, you don't know how much I miss Dick.
3: Her eyes smile tenderly.
2: And when she says this.
3: Still in peaceful dreams, I see the road He's back to you.
2: The guy is eating a taco and he almost Whoa, choked to death.
3: Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. no peace, no peace
2: So while his face is turning purple, Just
3: an old sweet song.
2: she's telling him, "Get your mind out of the gutter." <laughs>
3: Keeps Georgia on my mind. <laughs> Dick was
2: my my late husband. Oh my god.
3: <laughs> I just an old song keeps Georgia on my mind.
2: You know, I'm uh, jacked up higher than a prom dress in June. That's how excited I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that was very moving. How about
1: that? <laughs> uh, we're gonna miss you, Mark.
2: All right. Well, I'll certainly miss doing the show. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, I've really, you know, can't say enough, Carl, how much I appreciate you getting me involved with this. Uh, well over a year ago, and I wish you, uh, you know, continued success with it.
1: It's been a good year and a half, and uh, good luck with your future endeavors. And definitely don't uh, hesitate. To give us a call from time to time and and stop in. I the show. certainly will. All right. Well, Rory, we've managed to uh, come to the end of our show here, and I just want to thank you on behalf of myself, Mark, and the listening crew out there. Uh, what can I say, man? You're awesome. Keep writing. Don't ever stop. And I mean that sincerely. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for calling.
4: Good night, Mike.
1: Good night, guys. Good night, Carl. Night. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> John Boy!